Welcome to the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. This episode contains a sermon from April 10th by Brother Todd Burgess titled Matthew 3, verses 5 through 12. Well, it's good to be here again uh, this morning. And let me tell you, after worshiping like that, it's always easy, easier to preach. And so... Uh, being Palm Sunday, and like I said, I mean, we're, going, we're going through the third chapter of Matthew. And when you, when you think about Palm Sunday, you think of Jesus and his triumphal entry. And here, here he is, he's riding on that donkey, heading down the way. People are laying coats and palm branches, doing all that, singing, praising, praising them, everything. But yeah, what's Jesus doing? He's weeping. Because he realizes they don't recognize who he is. And this is why I've kind of chosen to go through Matthew 3. Because so often people don't recognize who Jesus is. Yes. And so many times it's in the church we don't recognize who Jesus is and what he's done for us. We get sidetracked and distracted for whatever reason, even in church. Because we don't recognize who Jesus is. And see, in Matthew chapter 3, this whole chapter is talking about the demand for real salvation, genuine salvation. Where, to where we have to get to the point, we recognize the junk in our lives, that sin that we need to get rid of. We need to trash it, and we need to turn away from it and turn to Christ. we got to get to that point. And yet, too often, there are many in church that haven't got there. You see, we need to recognize God's judgment on sin. And that's what the people of the triumphal entry, they didn't recognize God's judgment on sin. Oh, they wanted, to, they wanted their, their Messiah, their king to come and kick out the Romans. But they wanted to live the life that they're already living and not have that life changed at all. You see, we have to recognize God's judgment on sin. And then and only then can we receive what Jesus did on the cross, his justification for us, where he made us justified before holy God. See, that's the true gospel message. That's the true gospel message. And so as we look at this passage of Scripture in Matthew chapter 3, verses 5 through 7, and again, I enjoyed just reading God's word, and if we'd stand in honor to God's word. It says, then went, out to him then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region around about Jordan, and were baptized of him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. 
But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generations of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth, therefore, fruits meet for repentance. And think not to say within yourselves that we have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able, to, to, able from these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And now also the axe is laid under the root of the tree. Therefore, every tree which bringeth forth not good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Lord God, we come before you, Heavenly Father, Lord, we ask and pray that your Holy Spirit would just touch our hearts, Revealed us in our own lives genuine salvation. And reveal to us, Father, through your Holy Spirit in us, where we fall short this past week, last month, today. Because as your children, we are all about confessing our sins because it helps us to maintain that right relationship with you. So we ask and pray these things in your holy and precious name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, as we're going through Matthew chapter 3, we saw last week John was talking about preparing the way and that our hearts, our lives must be prepared to meet Jesus. Otherwise, we'll never meet him. Today, we're looking at some of the responses that we have and the result of those responses. And so first of all, we're going to look at the two responses that people have. And this is what, what John the Baptist faced. So when John was, was presenting his simplistic presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the people out there were listening, there were those that were coming for and repenting of their sin, receiving the truth of, of who Jesus was. Although they didn't recognize that Jesus himself was the Messiah, but they recognized the truth of who the Messiah was to be. Just like Abraham did. And it was credited to him as righteousness because he believed God. And, th and, these, and these same folks were coming with that same understanding as Abraham did. The message of judgment and justification was real in their lives and it brought about real salvation because they had ears to hear. And so in verse 5 and 6 of our text, we see that all were coming out to him, Jerusalem, Judea, the whole area around, region around Jordan. And it says they're being baptized of him in the Jordan and they were confessing their sins. Confessing their sin, the first step of real salvation. One's understanding and recognizing that they're sinners and there's nothing they can do about it. And so they confess their sin before God. And then it says they're being baptized. Now, baptism itself does not save anyone, 
but it is a symbol that points to the one who does save, and that's what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary. And so that's what we see here. And so when we look at that word, they were being baptized, that means to be immersed fully in water as a token of purification from sin and spiritual pollution. It was a token. It was a symbol of that. But first, they had to confess their sin. That's the judgment of God that was upon them. They had to recognize that and then receive his justification. And, and again, we see this in, in several scriptures. One of it is Acts 2.38, where it says, Peter then said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin, and then receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so confessing their sins, that means just as uh, it, was, it was shared with the kids here, I, in fact, I, I like her definition better. You know, I, I had written down means to agree with God about his verdict on our sinful nature. But, you know, we got to get that junk out of our lives. Sin is junk. And yet we hold on to it. We hoard it. We, we said, I just can't part with this. And that's the lie of sin. That's the lie of Satan says we can't get rid of this stuff, but we need to. We need to. And so we have to, we have to understand that. Acts 19 verse 18 says, And many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. See, real confession of sin will be accompanied by a change in a person's life of their behavior, their character, changed actions. Okay? That's what's seen. Bringing forth those fruits of repentance. And see, we have to recognize, and this is what's real important, that we're sinners from birth. Even before we were conceived, we're sinners. Because we inherited that nature from Adam. When he sinned in the Garden of Eden. The Bible says in Psalm 51 verse 5, it said, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. You know, you don't have to teach young children as they're growing up to do, to do bad things. Why? It's natural for them to do bad things. To be selfish. To be, it's all about me. You got to teach them to do what's right. To do good things. And so there, there were those that were coming and genuinely received salvation through John Baptist and the message he was preaching and then being baptized. But then there's another group, okay? There's another group that was there. And they were, and, and, and they, they were ones that did not believe. And we need to understand something. That when we're out witnessing, when we're out sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, you're going to have two responses. Those that will believe and those that won't. Okay? Understand that. And many times those that won't is going to be in the majority. You know, you may witness to ten people and one may receive. So but don't let that discourage you. Remember, we're just to be witnesses. We're not the ones that cause people to get saved. We're just to be the Lord's witness. Share the truth. Share the truth. And so the message of judgment and justification that we're, that we're looking at 
it's, we have to understand it's going to be an affront. It's going to offend people. You cannot be politically correct and be a Christian. Folks, that's the truth. But you also don't have to be a jerk about it. Okay? We need to understand that truth as well. See, we're going to run across people when we're, when we're sharing our faith that are going to want to argue and debate with us. They're going to want to confront us. And this was the situation with John the Baptist. In verse 7, it says, And when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he recognized right off, right off the bat, these that are coming probably are not coming for salvation. They're not coming to repent of their sin. And so we need to understand the Pharisees, they were that biblical conservative group. Okay? They, they in their time, they were involved in all the rituals and man-made rules of obedience. They believed in the, that righteousness came from keeping the law because their God was themselves. They were on their own throne. That's what was important to them. They, they think they were able to do these things. The Sadducees, the other group, they were the, they were the liberal, the materialistic. In fact, they didn't, even, they didn't even believe in the resurrection. In fact, what their beliefs were, well, when I die, it's over. So I need to get everything I can get now while I'm alive. And for the most part, that's America. Got to get it while I'm alive. You know? So we need, we need to understand that. The same groups they have then, same groups we have today, just have different names. But their views, their beliefs are the same. And so, so we see that these, these two groups, they came to John's baptism. But now, we had, John recognized very early they had ulterior motives. They didn't come for repentance. They came because they had questions. They wanted to be politically correct. Well, John, who authorized you to, to do that? Are you, are you that prophet? Are you this? Are you that? All these questions they're asking. Instead of listening to the message that John was preaching. And so we need to listen to John's response. Right there in verse 7 again, he said to them, O generation of vipers, who warns you to flee from the wrath to come? Now, that generation of vipers, that, that literally means that which is born or produced and is spoken of men as the offspring of vipers, the progeny of vipers. What John was saying there, what he was doing there, he was taking them clear back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. Okay, when, when the serpent deceived Adam and Eve. Okay, that's, what, that's what's going on here. 
And then Genesis 3.15 says, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. And so by calling these religious leaders a generation of vipers, he was saying that they were of the seed of the serpent, their father Satan. That's what he was saying. They believed the same thing, they did the same thing that, that Satan did. They were against the seed of the woman, which was the Messiah, ultimately, through the line of David. And so we have to understand that there are going to be folks that come and I can't sit there and say, you are and you are, but you're not. I, that's not for me to do. But I can recognize the fruit coming from their lives. And when all they want to do is come and argue and, 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 and put down what's being said, I don't need to waste my time with them. And what I normally would find myself doing, I, I would just share briefly, this is what the Bible says, two or three minutes, here's a pen of salvation. But then I would let them come back. Well, I asked this, this. I said, oh, thank you so much. And I'll talk to you later then. After they've said there are two or three minutes. You know, I'd, I would do that. I wouldn't say my thing and walk away from them. No, I'd give them a chance. Just, but I'm not going to waste a bunch of time with them. And sometimes I've seen this happen. Where I'd, be, I'd be talking to someone who really is interested and has questions. And you can tell when someone has a genuine question when someone has a sarcastic question. You can tell. Okay? But then these other folks come off the side, they hear it, and they start butting in. And, okay, I understand. And, and, and a lot of times I'll, I'll, I'll have a little bit, little bit of conversation, but I'm not going to waste my time. And I'll say, hey, I'll talk to you a little later, the one that was real interested. Well, we, we can get together, together later, maybe lunch or something, and, and we can talk. Don't waste our time. Don't cast your, your pearls of, of God's word before swine who's just going to stomp on them in the mud. The Bible says that. But again, I said, don't be a jerk about it, okay? Because we're planting seeds, and we don't know. Many times I, what I've found, those that are most adamant against God's word tend to be some of the ones that God's working on the hardest, okay? And so don't be a judge of, well, they'll be saved or not. Don't fall into those categories, just do what you're told to do and, and, and present the gospel. And so we see those two groups, and you're going to have those two groups wherever you go. But the next thing we need to look at is we need to look for the results of real repentance. As Christians, we need to be able to look and see, yeah, Jesus didn't spend a whole lot of time arguing and debating with the religious leaders. But now he did spend a lot of time with, with uh, Nicodemus when he came. Because Nicodemus was asking serious questions. He was inquiring. We don't know if Nicodemus ever uh, became a believer or not. But Jesus did spend time with him. See, we spend time with those that are genuine. And so we need to be able to, to recognize the, the results of real repentance in people's lives. Those that are really searching, seeking after this. That's why John asked the question, who, who warned you to flee the wrath to come? Because he recognized real quick that they didn't have that fruit. And he wasn't going to waste his time dealing with them very much. See, people, see, only God is the one that brings genuine repentance. And we, we need to learn to look at it. And if, and if we're Christians, 
It should be easy for us to recognize because it happened in our lives. You see the difference? It happened in us. And so now we're able to see it more clearly in someone else. But if it's never happened in us, we're not going to recognize it in somebody else because it's never happened to us. So that's that genuine fruit that only God brings. Only the Holy Spirit in us does that. We cannot manufacture that. And so we need to learn to see that in others. People can hide their true motivations, their true motives from others, but not from God. And that's why it's so important that we teach the, and preach the, the complete plan of salvation and just, and just not a part here and a part there. You ought to be able to have a, in two or three minutes, here's the complete plan of salvation. Because sometimes, most times, that's all the time you have to share with someone at, at that time. And understanding the real gospel is going to be an offense. And so John here is very clearly stressing the judgment of God over sin. That's the first thing we got to deal with. Until someone recognizes they're sinners, folks, they cannot get saved. Because that's not what the Bible says. You've got to recognize you're a sinner. That's why Jesus came. He came to die for our sin, to be that covering. And we have to recognize that we're sinners. We're not good enough. There's nothing we can do. We've got to recognize that. And that's the first fruit we need to be looking at in people's lives. You know? When we share the truth, do we see that remorse that over sin? And that's why John in verse 8, he goes on to say, Bring forth, therefore, fruits meet for repentance. Now that word bring forth, that means to cause to exist. Now can you and I cause anything to exist? No. Only God can. Only the Holy Spirit of God can. And so we got to look out and see what does God bring doing in that person's life, this person's life, that's something that they can't do. And one thing I found out, pretty simple. Anyone comes up to you and wants to ask about church, wants to ask about the Bible, I guarantee you that's not Satan prompting that person to ask those questions. <laughs> Satan does not do that. The Holy Spirit of God does that. And so when you, when you hear those questions, or you, hear, you hear that conversation over there between two or three people, and you hear it, you know what that tells me? That's God's invitation for me to go join that conversation. Because nothing happens by coincidence. I don't believe in coincidence. I don't believe in fate. I don't believe in that. I believe in Jesus. I believe in the power of God, the Holy Spirit of God in me. And what's so hard is, so, is there's been so many times I've heard that conversation and I didn't do what I was supposed to do. I have a feeling that many of you have done the same thing. And that's why we repent and say, Lord, forgive me. Give me another chance. Sometimes he has, sometimes he hasn't. But when we are made aware of some kind of spiritual thing going on in people's lives around us, we have to understand that God made us aware for a reason to be involved, to help. We may not have the answers, but sometimes just being, being a listener is what they need. So be willing to make that step. And so we, gotta, we have to look at, bring forth, we got to look for those things that only God can do. It's that generative power that God does in a person's life. 
And now it goes, what John here is talking about is going, it's going back to, well, Jesus alludes to this in Matthew 7, 17, where it says, Even so, good tree, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. That's easy, easy to see. You look at the apple tree, you expect to see apples. All right? Pretty simple. Matthew 13, 23 says, But he that received seed in the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some a hundred, some sixty, some thirty. Now, par- parable of the sower and the seed. How many times have you heard that, well, they're all probably got good, we're in church, got saved, but some aren't very, very protective. They get, it carries the world, strangle them out. You know, you know, you know what? The only one that got saved was the one that got the, so- the seed in the good soil. Only one that was saved. Because the rest carries the world, choked everything out, withered away. It's that good soul. That's why we cast out the seed. The seed's the word of God. We share the word of God to this person and that person, that person. Hopefully it falls on good soul here. We hope it falls on good soul everywhere, but it's not going to. And so it's important we understand that. So many people don't know what real repentance is according to the gospel. They look at the world, well, man, I know I was wrong and they feel guilty. And, but that's not what God says it is. See, real repentance is a yielding of one's own self-rule and submitting to the absolute lordship of Jesus Christ. And then after salvation, this, is, this, this, this process is ongoing until the day that we go to be with the Lord. And that process after salvation is called, now called sanctification. Once we've been justified, now we're going to be sanctified. That's what's so important. But if we haven't learned how to yield and give it all to God in the first... There can't be any sanctification because there hasn't been any justification. It's so important. And that's, that's, that's what we have to understand. That's why it's important that we understand what the Holy Spirit does. It's the Holy Spirit in us that produces good fruit. Not me. I don't do that. Believe me, I'd much rather have a little bit of revenge, do, you know, get even with people. That's, that's me. That's not God. That's why I mentioned the verse in 2 Corinthians 7, 10 through 11. It says, For godly sorrow worketh repentance to the salvation, to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. See, godly sorrow is something that the Holy Spirit brings in our lives, and we have to recognize. And we say, Lord, you're right. What I did there was wrong. But often we forget that next verse, verse 11. For beholding this selfsame thing, that ye sorrowed after a godly sort, what carefulness it wrought in you, what clearing of yourself, what indignation, what fear, what, re- what vehement desire, what zeal, what revenge. In all things, ye have approved yourselves to be clear in this matter. Now, when it's godly sorrow... Again, this is more than someone just, oh, I have a change of heart. 
No, no. This is someone who has changed directions in their lives. They have had a reversal. What they used to do, they can't do anymore, even though they were fine doing it before they got saved, but now they cannot do it because they recognize it as sin. And they turn away from it. They see it as junk. And they push it off the side. They dispose of it. It's more than an attitude, folks. It's actions. See, true obedience requires action on our part. And turning to Christ and moving his direction. Not just a thought, well, yeah, those are wrong. I just need to stop doing those. Okay, I'll just keep going my way. No, it's not how it works. Real repentance not only produces remorse for where you have been, but a determination not to be ensnared there again. See, godly sorrows produces a diligence in you and me to clear ourselves of what's gone on before. That's what's important. That's where real repentance takes place. And it's a movement made by the Holy Spirit of God in us. We can't manufacture it ourselves. You know, too often we want to make excuses. Even as Christians, we want to make excuses for sin. That's just who, and I'm sorry, that's just who I am. Yeah, I get angry. You know, you just got to deal with it. That's who they are. They, they gossip a lot, and we just got to deal with it. No, we don't. That's the way of the world. Someone who has those issues and are not improving or not ch- being changed, then I question if God is in their life. Because they should be getting further and further away from those things. Now, granted, I've known people that have had issues and boom, right, 24 hours, they're, they're done. They never have a problem with that again. And that's great. I wish God would do that to everybody. <laughs> but he doesn't. He doesn't. Some of us, he, he allows us to, to go, continue with it for a while. Because we have to learn to depend upon him. And he sees us through those things. But now we have to understand, and I'm going to jump to verse 10, 11, and 12. Talking about the judgment. Again, salvation is a blessing and there's a curse, right? Talked about Mount Gerizim, Mount Ebal last time, about the law, how salvation is a blessing and curse. Well, this, these three verses... It says, and now also the axe, in verse 10, is laid unto the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which bringeth forth, bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Indeed, I baptize you with water and repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his weed into the garner, but he'll burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Now, we need to understand this. There's two groups that come and will hear the gospel message of salvation. One group will receive it. The other group will reject it. All the way to the end of their lives. Because they made excuses for it, whatever. 
And, and, and the excuse is made here in front of John. John was saying, well, don't even call yourselves children of Abraham because God can raise from these stones children of Abraham. See, excuses are all part of people, human, human beings' life. We're all about excuses because we don't want to face the wrong in our lives, the sin in our lives. And Jesus says, at the end of life, depending on where you were, depends on where you go. Now, verse 11, I've heard misinterpreted, I think, in my, in my opinion, many times. Because first of all, it says, I indeed baptize you with water. That's John. But he that cometh after me, that's Jesus. How many people in the scripture do you ever hear Jesus baptize? Anybody? Any, even one? Jesus never baptized anyone. In fact, Jesus said that I have to, after, 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 after his uh, death, burial, and resurrection, he said, I have to go so the Father can send the Holy Spirit. Jesus baptizes two times. You're either going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit of God, whether it's Old Testament, New Testament, makes no difference, or you're going to be baptized in fire. Which do you prefer? <laughs> that's, what this, that's what this verse is saying. John says, I'm baptizing you in water under repentance, but he that comes after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Holy Ghost is the blessing. Fire is the curse. If you accept the blessing and receive genuine salvation, recognize your sin, then you'll be baptized by the Holy Spirit of God. But if you don't, you, stand, you, you keep yourself on the throne, you reject what Jesus did on the cross, then you will be baptized with fire. See, this is not a, a, a scripture reference pointing to Pentecost, where the apostles were in the upper room and all of a sudden they, they were praying and the Holy Spirit came down in, in, what, in tongues of fire. You know, and they, well, that's the baptism of the Holy Spirit in fire. That, that's it. That's not it. That's not it. In my opinion, that's a wrong interpretation. Because the ne very next verse explains what was going on. Whose fan is in his hand and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into his garner. That's the blessing. And he'll burn up with ch the chaff with unquenchable fire. That's the curse. It's talking about Jesus' judgment. His judgment. He'll judge the, the Christian. He'll judge us at the judgment seat of Christ. But he'll judge the rest of the world at the great white throne judgment. And the result of that is fire. And so the whole world sits with one of these two futures in front of them. You're either, you'll either enter, you're either a child of God and will commune with God throughout eternity, or you're a child of the serpent, Satan, and will commune with him in the lake of fire throughout eternity. There's no middle ground, folks. And this is why it's so important that we look at this, these scripture references in here in chapter 3, especially during the Easter, the Easter season. What is genuine salvation? And how important it is. And that's why John went on to prepare the way for the nation of Israel. Yet, many he knew would reject it. 
And so my question is, have you received genuine repentance? Have you confessed your sin? Have you received genuine salvation by repentance and then accepting what Jesus did to cover your sin through the, through the cross, through his own blood? If that has not occurred in your life where God has prompted you, and then there has been no genuine salvation. But then on the other side of that is, if that has happened, when's the last time you've prayed and confessed your sin before God? Even as Christians, we still sin. And the Bible says we need to confess our sin daily. Are we doing that daily? Or has it been a while since you've confessed your sin before God? Because that affects your relationship with Jesus. That's what's so important. Many times why churches are powerless today is because members who are Christians, are, are, their lives are racked with sin. So where do you stand? Where do you stand? Is your heart right with Christ? Are you one of his children? Or maybe you've never accepted and you've never had that time, you've never accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, then you can come and do that today. If you are a Christian, it's just been a while since you've confessed, you've just been kind of doing your own thing. You can make the change today as well. Thank you for tuning into the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. For more information, check out our website at gbcak.org.